What has six arms is all white and is nightmare fuel. It's Glenn Danzig's albino spider of Digit. From the comic imprint Verotic, put the kids to bed because you're listening to a very rated R version of a kind of garbage podcast comic edition. So Cody, for this episode, I picked a comic book that is horrifying. And one of the reasons why I picked it is because we record an episode about the Veronica movie. And this was the first short story from it. And we had so many questions about the characters and just the material that was based off of. And we finally got our answers. Yeah, I think before we even watched the Veronica movie, we... I think we both knew we somehow were going to review one of one of the comics. It was just kind of, what do you choose? And when we saw the movie, we definitely were like, we have to see what the source material for Albino Spider is, because it's off the wall. One of the funny things is that it's very faithful to the comics. Yeah. For it, better or for worse. Uh, I would almost say they left out a few things they probably could have put in. And they decided to include a lot of, like, material that, like, I I would say the thing that bugged me the most was there's a lot of dialogue from the comic that's straight up spoken dialogue in the movie that just does not, it's not a, a great transfer. Not whatsoever. No, and part of that is obviously due to the the actors, but also just sometimes dialogue looks good written down over images um other times when you actually see like a live person try to express that dialogue it it comes off like very wooden and i think that's kind of one of the issues i had with the the comic yeah it's after reading it you realize holy shit they took the dialogue word for word and stuck it into the movie yeah it kind of page panel for panel recreation yeah, really, yeah. It um, Some scenes were kind of, in the movie, were expanded upon. And then I would say the intro to the comic is kind of more artistic. Uh, it definitely has a lot more visual flair to it than the intro to the movie. But I think part of that would be due to um, the fact that the spider in the movie is CG. And it probably was just out of their budget to try to recreate the intro. Um, where do you do? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with? Should we start with book one or two or zero? This is comprised of three shorts from the Verotic imprint. We're gonna go through all three. I don't think we'll break them down. I think we should just treat it as if it it's is a, story. a complete story. Yeah. I guess to start, we had a rough idea of what the story was going to be. Did you like the story in the comic, or do you find the movie was better, or the movie was worse? <laughs> the comic book was way more enjoyable. You got to see actual, I won't say art, because the movie is art technically, but you got to see someone displaying visually how the story goes better than what the movie did. And you got issue zero, which isn't part of the movie, which explains how Dejet got her eye nipples, I guess. Yeah, so Dejet's mother was bitten by a spider when she was pregnant. But not just any spider, an albino spider. Sorry. (laughs) Probably the same one. It could be. Dejet's mother was bitten by a spider, and then there's a little bit of backstory of her growing up as a little girl. So that kind of explains her tie, like her connection to spiders, which in the movie it's not... In the movie it's just kind of like, surprise, she has eye nipples. (laughs) 
<laughs> and if she cries on spiders, they mutate and become manifestations of her id <laughs> without, yeah, without it being explained too, too much. Her mom gets bit by the same spider that Spider-Man got bit by, but it's an uh, albino spider as well. She freaks the fuck out and Dejet's dad's like, oh, it's just a spider, but you'll be fine. And then she goes into, well, before she goes into labor, she has a dream about her baby. And you can see the, like, the eyes on the baby's chest. Yeah. But yeah, she goes into labor, has the baby, and they're like, who's going to tell her? (laughs) She's like, what's wrong with my baby? My baby's a freak. (laughs) And then, yeah, they show her, and the baby's eyes are closed, but its nipples are open with little eyeballs. Yeah, which, I don't know, like, I'm, I don't know. I thought about it, I'm not putting too too much thought in it maybe it's obvious and i'm not seeing it i don't fully understand the metaphor of nipple eyeballs is it a metaphor it's i don't know what it's representing like i know (laughs) spiders have eight eyes and i don't know if it's supposed to represent extra eyes yeah or if it's supposed to represent kind of the pattern of eyes on the albino spider's back we cut to digit run around as i guess a kid but whoever drew this i don't have the information of who it was all the kids have kid-sized bodies with adult feature faces. I, when I read them, I was trying to figure out, too, uh, who the artist was. I like the art. Yeah. Oh, uh, great art. I'm, yeah. I really enjoy it. Where the doctor's holding the baby reminded me of Sam Keith a lot. <laughs> yeah, you got a sweet little full page of the albino spider holding up to Jet and just a, a shadow dick hanging from between his legs. Yeah, uh, if anyone's listening to this... Who has read whatever the hell that that Batman book? Yeah, Batman <laughs> was it Damned? I don't know. It was I think Batman. It was, Bla- it was the Black series, right, or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. that Black Label book, and yeah, there was like a shadow of Batman's penis. Uh, he's got nothing on Albino Spider, who is basically doing a jumping jack um, <laughs> with like his lower waist in shadow, and it is just like yeah, dong swinging. We cut to again them as quote-unquote kids because they look like adult like adult faces like i said before and what is it they just they she wants to play with them and they're like no you have to show us your boobs first and they're kids so one glenn gross <laughs> i think it's just kind of supposed to represent like like if they're supposed to be teenagers i would get it but this kid what's that ty- what's that type of hat called oh yeah he's literally got the hat with the propeller on top i can't even remember yeah <sighs> i think it's supposed to represent like kind of her maturing and going through puberty and kind of like realizing sexuality and then when the boys are like hey can you lift up your shirt like or we dare you to lift up your shirt or whatever it is they'll give her some bonbons that bonbons, was so they're gonna yeah. give her some candy uh, she's like no and then they keep on asking and the one kid's like oh the candy's so good and this yeah that's something else like the movie uh is french actors who can't even do uh french accents and then porn stars who can't do French accents and the comic there's a couple of scenes where it's like by the way this is this is France or this is this all takes place in Paris and it's literally like someone's reminding Glenn being like Glenn don't forget this is France and he goes oh okay and then he scratches out like we'll give you candy if you lift your shirt up and it's we'll give you bonbons and it's like (laughs) okay same with later on in the book with the prostitute it's like meanwhile Paris, France, uh, Rue de Prostitute, and then it's like Street of Prostitute, and it's like, <laughs> like what? Like, 
<laughs> just just say like a back alley in Paris. You don't have to say rue de prostitute. So this comes into one of my favorite scenes, not of her lifting her shirt up, even though it has to do with that. But it is. A, it's a back shot of her lifting her shirt, but it's the kids throwing up. And it's so much vomit that it, it literally, because it looks almost like they're running away from like a river of puke flowing at them. And I did laugh when I was reading it. Yeah, the this page, <laughs> as like kind of pervy as it is, um, it actually does have really good flow to it. It's a four panel page and you have the kids heads up top just kind of being pervy. And then the focus is on like the chest of her shirt. And then you have, like you said, it's it's like a, a back shot with her shadowed out of like her shirt coming off. And then trailing down into the fourth page because like just to the side of the panel, one of the kids is just puking. And then the puke streams over and kind of becomes like the background of the fourth panel of them all running away. It's as gross as it is. It's it's neat. It's well done. So that was the prequel. Then issue one is basically where the movie starts off, where she's going down on her boyfriend. <laughs> um, the movie doesn't show it, but in this, like she has a she has a dick in her mouth. Yeah, like uh, the comic imprint obviously has like graphic depictions of sex. So her and her boyfriend are both partially clothed. Um, she's performing oral sex on her boyfriend. Not great looking. Like The art definitely suffers in this issue. Is it by the same person? That's the question now. No, yeah. You can tell. Issue zero was great. This cover's really nice, though. That yep. might be by the same person. Yeah, I don't know. The There's a couple good panels where it just kind of shows like implied sex but like the ones where she's actually doing it like it's just kind of popping in from like the corner of the panel and it just i don't know it's not it's not fantastic it's kind of like really yeah because he has he has his pants off a little bit as well yeah so like it's i don't know pretty immature the way it's drawn <laughs> she keeps on saying why well, he's like oh let me see your boobs and then she's like what no wait no he's like let was it uh leave my shirt on she goes wait and then yeah the top comes up and the eyeballs come out. <laughs> and he's like, ah, and he's trying to run away. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like the movie, if yeah. if anybody's seen the movie or, or listened to our one episode, which now we get into the point where we can just really skip through this because it's the movie, the artwork is, it's not horrible. Like, it's, reminds me of the person, I can't remember who, which artist it is. The first, or the prequel, or the issue zero comic or whatever did a little bit better of a job, but the idea is kind of transferring over here. Like, everyone's drawn very elongated, so there almost is, like, a spider quality of, like, spider-like appendages on people, which I liked. Like, I thought that was neat, kind of giving everyone almost a spidery look with a a book about spiders, or an albino spider. (laughs) So, yeah, she cries on the spider, and then we have kind of a more interesting transformation scene of the spider now becoming like the manifestation of her id the halfway through point he looks so he like that looks great until he gets his like little jacques mustache yeah and you almost wish that they kept the little like the pincers in his mouth yeah but it's Ugh. it's interesting there's a bit of dialogue of like him becoming self-aware of what he is and then talking about i am like the manifestation of your like dark desires and all this stuff which the movie was so hard to follow with some of the bad accents that like some of the dialogue was just it just felt like it went through a blender this really clears some stuff up and i kind of got what danzig was going for a bit more 
he's standing behind Dejet now, basically explaining that he is her id let loose. And when she sleeps, that's when he'll be set free on the world. And as he's saying this, he's kind of disappearing into shadow, which is something the movie did not understand. To make him slowly fade away from existence instead of him being like, Ugh, Dejet, I am your id. Yeah. So here's like another example of what works on the page versus what doesn't work in a movie. You have Dejet's roommate um, looking in basically an empty fridge with two items, uh, a carton of milk and like a six pack of beer. And she looks in the fridge and goes, milk, beer. Like those are basically the two options. And there's not a lot drawn in the fridge. So by having like the minimalist dialogue, it suits that very well like it it, it's an empty fridge but instead of filling the panel with dialogue about like oh we don't have enough money to buy groceries or anything like that it's just like the fridge is very sparse the dialogue and the the bubble is also very sparse which works but then when you have an actress in the movie look into a fridge but the camera doesn't show the fridge and she just says milk beer it's like are you having a stroke (laughs) what's going on So this is the first victim of the albino spider, which is a bit more sexualized in this one. Yeah, because in the movie, if I remember right, when she finds her roommate or her her neighbor dead. Yeah. This one, yeah, he's crawling over her, her, like biting her neck. And then he does sexually assault her as well as Danzig does. Yeah, which, yeah. Yeah, he's and he has like, I guess it's a spider web going around her that he's wrapping her up in. And then eventually, God, there's so much sexual assault. There's, after like the four or five pages, Dejet wakes up and goes to check on her. And she's hanging from the ceiling. She's like suspended in air with a big web, which they didn't do that in the movie at all. No, the movie literally forgets to go, hey, he's a spider. If we did something with a web, that might be clever. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be quite a few more sexual assault scenes in this very short comic. I think there's like three more, right? Oh, only three. <laughs> um, yeah, I I get that the comic is supposed to be Danzig's... Psyche? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I get, I get that it's supposed to be like his relationship or his interpretation of like violence and sexuality and like where they cross and where they meet. I am interested, maybe we'll do another one, because I know the other books just go off the wall where it's almost cartoony, but I don't know, like, it's hard to understand, like, what are you trying to say here, Danzig? Like, like her id is to literally sexually assault everyone. Yeah, and she just has crying boobs. Yeah, so now the, this comic ends with the spider basically explaining that he's responsible for what happened to Dijet's roommate and somehow she that makes her also responsible we're reading digital versions of this yeah but i'm trying to remember if i actually have some of these at home because i think i do like i'm pretty sure i yeah. do because I've, I've read these in the past and i don't know if it was just from reading the digital versions or the actual physical issues as well now this one uh the art for the last two issues or this issue and the last issues done by eric Kinnett, and i actually thought that the art was back to the original guy. The art really improves on this issue, and I don't know if it's due to the artist or that they had different colorers or colorists, but um, it it's definitely shows the line work a lot better. It definitely has like a more artistic flair to it. But like even going into this, like the shadow work is a lot better. There's like there's light sources. 
this is the issue where uh, she's doing the modeling job. So it's her and like four other or three or four other women in like kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, like fetish themed clothing, like S&M clothes. The line work on it is awesome. Like everything looks really cool and it's it's great. It just, it stands out, especially compared to the last issue. So this issue starts with uh, the albino spider hiding in the shadows in an alleyway and he solicit sex from a prostitute on prostitute street in france and is it actually prostitute street is that yeah. what it says too yeah it says paris late night rue de la prostitute street of the hookers yes and it's like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> and there's a almost a full page spread of her standing there smoking a cigarette and it looks good like there's good lighting there's good shadows in the back yeah it looks cool it definitely has like uh like the 90s superhero comic aesthetic to it like it looks like an image comic like it really oh, does yeah, it really does and that's um, not a bad thing like i, I enjoy no, the artwork it doesn't um i think the artwork looks great i, I it, this issue especially with like the the way that the prostitute looks and the way that the models look like i think the art's great like the character design's really cool so sexual assault number two Bending like she is he putting a bag over her like she got turned silver halfway down and I think she might be backwards I, I don't know it's a very this was a very confusing panel trying to see like is it split into pieces that was the one thing I didn't know because her butt's on one like her butt's facing you but then so was her face yeah so it's an interesting like one page spread where the it's kind of a collage done where albino spider's face is on the left hand side of the collage and Dejet's face is on the right hand side and as you move down the collage it's just kind of it's images of like the spider's hands around the prostitute's throat and like her underwear coming off and it's interesting to look at but you're literally looking at the second depiction of a sexual assault <laughs> and then he he cracks her neck and yeah. Dejet wakes up which gets back to the photo shoot of all the lingerie models yeah i don't yeah which just like the movie it's very like don't pick up don't pick on her she just saw her dead roommate and the clothing that the models are wearing is much more interesting than what was in the movie as well yeah yeah again it's it's really i think it's cool it's like very 90s and image like it would that was definitely one of the highlights is actually seeing once we get out of Dejet's apartment and you kind of start seeing the character design on other characters. I thought that was one of the highlights of the book was just, hey, these people actually look interesting and have an, an interesting style to them. And especially the like the streets and spe the movie theater in the front, like that's a lot of detail. It looks really good. And it's oh, it's a, great, yeah. It's a, I don't want to say it's a shame that it only ran for technically three, three issues because they could have expanded way more, but it like many verotic books it's one to four issues some of them go longer yeah. like a jaguar god i think is like 13 issues and then the verotica main line is itself i think it's like 17 but those are all like short stories they don't link into each other so yeah this is where she goes into the movie theater which the comic has way more people in it than just three and it's a very big theater as well yeah so she goes to the theater and it's it's basically the same she sits down and it's almost as if she's confused as what she's walking into. She's like, oh, it's something stupid to the dialogue. It's like... <laughs> she's, she's so tired. She goes, this film, it is only people making sex. 
And it's yeah it's, uh, making the the sex and so I don't know if it's supposed to imply that Dijet accidentally wanders into like a porno theater. You'd have to pay for it, and the, I'm sure that the ticket person who would have been played by X Pac if they did it in the movie would have been like, "Hey, sweetie, you know this is a porno you're walking into, right? Generally, like, there's not too many women that come here. Watch out, you might get sexually assaulted." Yeah, but then again, this is. The world of Glenn Danzig. So in the movie, the guys just kind of, they get near her, but they don't really touch her, do they? Like, they they think, might yeah, just someone slightly. Yeah, touches her shoulder. This guy has his pants down, his ass yeah. is <laughs> facing you. And then the other guy, I think, so is this, like squeezing her boob. Yeah, so this is sexual assault number three in a very short comic. Thank you, Glenn. When she falls asleep, albino spider gains his power. And of course, what would it, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> to sexually assault to sexually assault so cut to sexual assault number four of the albino spider there's one one frame of her waking up be like i gotta go and then yeah she just leaves the movie theater yeah see the eiffel tower in the background look at it mm-hmm. which i'm surprised that's not a bigger focal point yeah because i know when highlander filmed in paris they were saying you always have to get a shot of a monument in every episode so people know that you're in paris yeah i get that so when highlander his <laughs> His barge is on the, oh shit, I was there. And I don't remember what the river is called. It was on the river yeah. where in the background you can see, what was that thing that burnt down recently? Oh, Notre Dame? Yeah, you see Notre Dame. <laughs> what was that thing that burnt down? <laughs> Before it burnt down. Yeah. And then you'd always see the Eiffel Tower. Like every episode for like season three or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, she's walking around and then that's where she goes to a diner because in the movie they don't really... It just starts out with her walking in. The diner scene in the comic makes sense because we just cut to her wandering the streets trying to stay awake and now she's found her way inside a cafe drinking coffee and she just has a very, very short exchange with the waiter who's like, you know, be careful out there. There's, you know, there's a madman on the loose. In the movie, it just has so many goofy mistakes of her like walking in and there's already a coffee and then the guy says, do you want a refill? And then she pays before she leaves and then, or she pays before she even gets anything to drink. And then the waiter like just chews through scenery being like, be careful for the neck breaker. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You're French. Which even the comics, Le Nebreaker. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's one it's one page with that. So in the movie, they they took like Glenn's like, let's just film her walking in. So they film her and she sits down. And then the moment she's sitting down, that's when the scene should yeah. have started because you shouldn't see her walking in. They're like, did you want to refilm this? I just got here. Well, there could be an establishing shot in the movie, like looking in through like her walking down the street, and then do an establishing shot of her through the window in the cafe like a very empty cafe late at night she's sitting on a table maybe some of the chairs are up to show that like it's close to closing time or something but like no like they they really lay it out and how much they stumble with how slow they walk through that scene like the the trip ups they have are hilarious so this is where she goes home and just on her her old timey like it's a rotary phone. Did she yeah. have a rotary phone in the movie as well? I can't remember. I think she did. Fuck, she probably did. Yeah, she overdosed on pills, calls um, the police to let her know that there's going to be a murder, or there was a murder. Yeah. And then that's when... Does he even have a name, or is his name just the albino spider? I think they just... Le Neckbreaker is re- how he prefers to be called. <laughs> Le Neckbreaker. Le Neckbreaker. So, yeah, <laughs> the police come bang open the door there's a little bit of an exchange and then they just rifle him with bullets but yeah. then he's still standing there and be like did you wake up they're gonna kill me 
Then eventually he dies and the police are like, oh, look, she, she has eyeball nipples. <laughs> yeah, like the, it, the ending kind of happens, which isn't bad in the comic. The ending's just kind of like the cops stumbling in, seeing the albino spider shooting them and then being like, what the hell is going on? Like, this guy's a human spider. This girl has eyes for nipples. And they make point of mention that she's not dead. They're, she's overdosing, but she isn't dead at that point, which was... Yeah. Which was interesting, but then at the bottom it says Finn, because he's probably like, I, I don't... That's the story, There's which is m- fine. I don't know, I guess now looking back at it in a whole, like, are we supposed to take, like, DeJet's experience with, like, the, the teenage boys being like, show us your breasts, and then they're disgusted by her? Are we supposed to take that as, like, the source of where her, like, murderous id comes from? If so, I get it, but, like... That makes sense for the comic, but, like, that's cut out of the movie. Yeah. Like, in the movie, Dijet gives birth to a manifestation of, like, the dark part of her mind. And then it's like, by the way, I want to rape and kill. And it's like, okay, but we haven't, you haven't established that any of that it relates to Dijet. She's just, like, she doesn't have a ton of dialogue. She just kind of wanders around being like, I can't fall asleep. It's, I'm, I'm going to assume that issue zero came out after issue one and two. That's a good point. Maybe that, that that's probably what happened. But why you could have, you have all this time before she's an adult, and you kind of just make it like, oh, the albino spider that she. I'm assuming it's the same one. The one that she cried on is the one that had bit her mom. How old is the spider, and where has it been hanging out for all these years? It almost would have been better if Dijet was committing the crimes and the spider was just in the back of her brain and she saw the spider, but no one else did. But even if you do want to do, when she goes to sleep, a spider literally takes physical form and then like runs amok assaulting people. It's, yeah, you're right. It just, I don't know. There's a lot of questions to it. Would you recommend people read this comic? Um... Yeah, comic friends, I would recommend it. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good start off point. Being like, hey, you guys should, if you're interested in reading a comic, boy, do I have one for you. Um, as far as like sexuality goes, it's kind of gross because most of the sexuality is assault. assault. Yeah. Um, and then as far as horror goes, there's some neat horror elements. Um, but as far as a short goes, if you're interested in horror comics, um, it's not too hard to find there. I can't remember who the publisher was. It might've been Dark Horse who did the Hellraiser comics. Oh yeah. I, it probably was Dark Horse because they yeah. did, because they Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're older now, but I believe there was like 30 or 40 issue like it went on for quite a while but that is just an anthology series of shorts and it they're great there's if you're interested in like horror shorts i think hellraiser might be a better jumping off spot and if you're interested in like erotic comics i don't know like unless this is like really what you're into like i don't know if this is what you trying to say well <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I don't know if I have this one. Uh-huh. Well, we bought it for different reasons. Like, we got this book knowing... I, we got this book knowing who Glenn Danzig was and just kind of being interested in comics as a medium and being like, what the hell is Glenn trying to use comics for? Like, this is the story he's trying to tell, which is... It's interesting. It's going to be like, this is everything I want to do in real life but yeah. th- that I'm not allowed. I, 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 would, I would recommend this as well. Okay. I don't know who, who I'd recommend it. It would be, you would have to find out someone's taste. I wouldn't recommend to everyone, obviously, but. I think, I think it's a good comic to recommend to people that are like, if you want to try 
a comic that's kind of against the grain and does some more daring stuff, it's definitely worth a read, but I just don't know how how much people would appreciate it. So where do you rank this on your your top 10 for comics? So for my top 10 for comics, of which number one is X-Women, number two is Terror Assaulter, number three is Ravage, number one, I would I would put this comfortably at number four. Not that I thought it was a bad comic. I just, I guess it left quite a bit to be desired. Yeah, my, because we've only done three comics, my list is similar to yours, just swapping uh, Terra Salter and X-Women. So right now it'd be number one would be Terra Salter, two would be X-Women, three would be Ravage, number one. And I'm pretty confident that I can put this between X-Women and Ravage because I... <laughs> I'm a weirdo. I, I enjoyed it. I still want to read Ravage. I'm sad yeah. that this is only three comics. But yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, too many sexual assaults. It'd be nice if they had um, consensual. I was going to say consensual assaults. <laughs> yeah, like if you say you did the comic where the albino spider isn't physical and it's literally almost like a mental thing within Dejet that takes over. I thought it would have been interesting where, like, you could do a scene where Dijet has consensual sex with someone, and then that tar- dark part of her mind is kind of, like, pushing her into darker, even more violent areas. And you could kind of head in that direction, but not flat-out show four graphic sexual assaults in one short comic. Was it only four? Only four. <laughs> it was only four. What are we reading, I guess, for you? What are we going to be talking about next episode? Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about a quick little one-shot that I got a kick out of. That's m- definitely more mainstream than what we just talked about. Uh, we're going to be talking about Marvel Comics Dark Reign The Cabal, which uh, is a sh- series of shorts uh, during Mar- uh, during Marvel Comics Dark Reign event through the, uh, I think, most of their main story most of their main titles touched on this event. And uh, in particular, we're going to be focusing on the first short um, by Brian Michael Bendis and illustrated by an artist I like named Adi, Gra- Adi Granoff. I like to mention that this is a this is a big book. This is like almost 50 pages. Yeah, I think it was a double when it came out. Yeah, Read the whole thing because somebody did not tell me we're just, we were just doing the first story from it. <laughs> my, my apologies. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to this horrifying episode. We, I don't think we swore that much. We just had lots of sexual assault talk. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have more erotic comics in the future, no doubt. Yeah, I'm, after reading this, I am more curious to see, uh, especially if you guys, I don't know, got a kick out of this, definitely check out the Verotica movie episode that we did. Um, maybe we'll even try to do some of the next comics we'll do. We'll try to tie in the stories that were featured in the movies. And yeah, thanks for listening. As always, you can find us online through our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram, both at a kind of garbage. You can also email us at a kind of garbage at gmail.com with any questions or comments you may have. Be sure to check us out at a kind of where you can find links to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash a kind of garbage, where you can get access to our private Discord channel and Patreon-exclusive podcasts. Thank you again for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time.
So we're recording on a new microphone right now. We have no idea how it's going to sound. If everyone's going to hear all the bumps, the ticks, the dog tippy taps. <laughs> yeah, my dog ran around a little bit. Um, we're kind of experimenting. Um, so we haven't taken a moment to experiment with what sounds good or bad. We're together for the first time since the quarantine. Recording for the first yeah, time recording too. recording for the first time. Uh, using new equipment, so... Uh, I guess give us feedback or whatever. If if this microphone isn't giving us enough feedback, feel free to give us your own. Special thanks to Connor for donating yeah. this Yeti Blue microphone. And <laughs> hopefully, yeah, we're not killing people's eardrums. Because, yeah, we, we don't know how we sound right now. Because it's like, let's record a couple of episodes and just not check anything so yeah hopefully we don't sound too slurish or high pitch because yeah we have no idea how we sound no i'm sure we sound like trash oh yeah but what can you do can't be worse than the first episode i love the first episode i was i was trapped in a computer (laughs) 